Amen. These guys bless me um, more than they will ever bless you. I know so many people um, tell me, you know, the music here is amazing. I am lucky and fortunate enough to be a part of this team and these these um, talented musicians. And this is only four of, um, I think we've got 17 total people who serve, um, whether singing or playing up here. But it's, it's definitely a blessing. And um, thank you, Tiffany, for... Um, um, leading us today. That was definitely a blessing to me. Um, so today is a Sunday during the long weekend that we call Labor Day weekend. Um, this, this weekend, I was supposed to be in Oak Island, North Carolina. Um, um, but I'm not going to say I had to stay here, but I was um, fortunate, to, fortunate enough to get to stay here and speak today. Um, my grandfather died on Monday. I have a lot of people have, have come to me, um, sent me letters, called me, um, you know, messaged me, whatever, and said they're sorry. Um, you know, it, it, it hurts to lose somebody um, who's close to you, um, but in this death, um, I've never been um, really as, uh, so excited or jealous um, because someone has gone on, um, because my grandfather, I know for sure, is in heaven. Um, after seeing um, just the people that showed up at his his funeral on Friday and 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 looking out at all the people that was there, um, the lives of of children and grandchildren that um, he was part of raising and starting as as a family, um, it was evident. Just like I told Mike back here earlier, um, the fruits of his life were very visible. Um, God used. Uh, a man to to start a family, to serve in a church, um, to to make an impact in a community, and anybody who knew him knew the smile on his face was the was the smile um, because of the spirit and the light of Jesus that was inside of him. Um, so I am here today because I got to, to lay to rest a great man, and uh, and I get to spend Labor Day weekend at home with my family. And uh, I, I got to see a whole bunch of uh, people that I haven't seen in a while. But today we're going to go on. We're going to continue through the book of Acts. Um, I'm excited about Acts chapter 20. And actually, in, in um, reading and studying through this um, this week, and especially coming, you know, reading um, things about my, my grandfather and reading things um, that people have said about him um, through his life, um, it, it was things that... that I could see in Paul's life and some of the things that he said when he addresses Ephesus, which we're, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, scripture is given to us as a gift from God. It is his holy, divine word as, as a purpose to lead us and guide us through life. And as, as I, I, I went through this week, going through a time of struggle, a time of hurt, a, a time of pain, um, a time of excitement, and 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 a loss of life. I saw my grandfather in this scripture this way because he was a man like Paul who lived his life with a purpose of just giving it all to God. So as we read today, um, we're going to kind of go through the first few fat, uh, um, verses a little quickly um, because they are, um, you know, just kind of telling you his progress through the journey. This is coming out of the um, the, uh, and the scripture says after the uproar was over, there was, the, you know, the craziness that Derek talked about last week, um, you know, that they, they were following the goddess Artemis and, and Paul was warned not to go to the amphitheater was everybody was gathered because, you know, they were, they were fearful that he would lose his life. So it's like, why don't you just stay out of this one? So Paul moves on. So coming out of this uproar, um, Paul is getting ready to move on. Starting in verse one, chapter 20, it says, after the uproar was over, Paul sent his disciples, I mean sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. And then he passed through those, those areas and offered them many words of encouragement. He came to Greece and stayed there three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, the son of Pyrrhus from Berea. Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, which we know a lot about, um, Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. Um, 
The first three we don't really know a lot about. Um, two of them, this is the only time you really hear their names in Scripture. Um, and then Timothy we know well, and then Tychicus and Trophimus, they're actually two who were believed to have just given their life to, to Timothy's, I mean, um, to Paul's ministry and say, hey, you know what, we're at your disposal, we'll go with you wherever you want to go. So um, because of where he was going, um, he was um, having to reroute his ways because, again, Paul um, needed to stay away from the people who were trying to kill him, pretty much. He, he, um, he wasn't fearful for his life, which we'll, we will read in a, in a little bit, but at the same time, um, he wasn't going to walk into a guillotine, if that makes sense. Um, so this was his crew. They went, they traveled together, and, um, and they did ministry together. Verse 5, it says, These men went on ahead and waited for us in Torres, uh, of a Troas. So this, this is probably a, a time where he sent everybody ahead of him to kind of where he can take time to just be by himself, think, process, um, and prepare for what he's going to do. Uh, verse 6 says, We sailed away from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. In five days, we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. Um, Paul, again, would take this time just refreshing and strengthening, you know, preparing for, for what was to come uh, during this time before he was to go and, and, and uh, meet up with them. So, they are, um, on the first day of the week, they assemble together. Um, they, they break bread. Okay, first, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we assembled up to, to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled. Um, in reading this, um, you, think that, you think of a lamp that's in a room, like at our house. You may cut it on to read, or you may cut on a lamp to, um, to give off uh, light or, or whatever, but these, it is believed to be in the, in the winter months um, when Paul was traveling. And, and the lamps kind of gave light, a soft light, but also gave warmth to make, to make them comfortable. And, and as, as we go on um, in, in verse 9, it kind of sets us up for that. There was a man there named Eutychus who was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. So before we even go into the next part, this kind of sets us up for, for a vision of a man who was sitting in a windowsill, um, you know, getting very relaxed. Um, me personally, I choose not to take naps sitting on a windowsill, um, depending, I mean, it doesn't matter how high it is off the ground, if, if I fall inside, it's, it's, gonna, it's possible it could hurt if you fall outside, one, two, three floors up, it's going to hurt even more. So, um, a young man named Eunuchus, oh, when he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. So, you know, our vision was correct. He fell asleep and fell from the third floor. Um, and when they, when they go to get him, they're like, oh, man, he's dead. So Paul goes down, verse 10, it says, he went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, don't be alarmed because he's alive. Now, this kind of sounds like um, a, another story. When, when Jesus, he goes to a 12-year-old girl, and he, he, they, they say, come to our daughter, she is dead, or whatever. He goes in there, and he says, she's not dead. And everybody, they kind of laugh, mock him, or whatever. He sends them out, he takes just the, the family in, he say, and he, he embraces the girl. And he says, little girl, get up. It's, it's found in um, um, Mark chapter 5. And it, Jesus tells the people, he said, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And in the same way, Paul bent over this person, uh, Eutychus, and said to him, or said to the people, don't be alarmed because he is alive. Um, uh, verse 11, it says, they all went back upstairs, breaking bread and eating. Paul talked a long time until dawn. So he talked from night until midnight. Eutychus fell, kind of gave him a break to stand up. Thank you, Eutychus, right, for falling out of the window. And then they go back upstairs, they break bread again, and then, they, and then he preaches until dawn. I've, I've heard a lot of people say, man, Derek preaches a long time. Could you imagine? Like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., just like sitting there listening to a pastor. My attention span is like 25 minutes. Um, I, I'm going to be a little longer than that today, um, but I'm hoping that at some point, if you, if you do drift off, um, you can go back and listen to it. Um, because I, if you're anything like me, I'm sitting here, sitting here with my wife on the front row. Derek says something. And it's, I'm like, oh, that's profound. And then for the next 30 minutes, I'm thinking about um, how they got the trash can delivery trucks to work with the arm the way that they did. 
That's random, right? That's the way my mind works. Um, so they, um, verse 11 says, after going upstairs, they broke bread, they ate. Paul talked to them a long time until dawn. Then he left, and they brought the boy home alone, and they were greatly comforted. Okay, so from here, he's going to set off again uh, from Troas to Miletus. In verse 13, it says, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul on board, because these were his instructions, since he himself was going by land. So he decided again to, to, to put these men on the ship, and, and, and the ship was going to kind of go around. There's actually a cape that, that the ship would have to go around. It's called Cape Lecture, and it was a, about a 40-mile journey by ship. Um, Paul sent them on the ship. He was going to join them, but decided not to, and he decided he's going to go by land. Um, it's believed that Luke was with him, who, who wrote the, the um, wrote Acts. Um, so th- they were going to, you know, go by foot, and it's believed that it was about 20 miles. So it was about half the distance, but you're going by foot. So it was going to be about the same distance by the time they met around. Again, probably a moment for Paul to enjoy a period of solitude, rest without everybody, and kind of prepare for the journey that God is getting ready to put in front of him as he, he meets with this, this group of people, a group of leaders. Um, in verse 14, he says, When he met us in Assos, um, we took him on board, and he went to Mytilene. Selling from there, the next day we arrived at Chios. And the first time I ever saw that, I thought of a Mexican restaurant that used to be on High, uh, High Cone Road, Chilos. Anybody ever um, been there? Anywho, they had the best quesadillas. Um, the following day, we crossed over to Samos, and after the and the day after, we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, since he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, um, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Um, they were traveling, so Paul was on his mission was to preach the gospel. But as he was going around preaching the gospel, they were taking up offering, collecting goods and gifts um, for the people of Jerusalem, because the people of Jerusalem there was a lot of needy people. So. It is believed that he was in a hurry to be there at Pentecost so that as they celebrate Pentecost, they could celebrate by giving the needy goods and gifts and stuff while they were there. Um, uh, so this kind of closes out his travel and sets him up where he's going to be as he prepares to meet um, with the leaders, the elders of Ephesus. Um, so in verse 17, we're going to start right here. It says, farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Um, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. So this is, this is Paul saying to them, this is, I have been with you the entire time. Not just in a way of, of saying, hey, we're together in this group, but I have been, you know, we're, we're hand in hand together. Paul was a man who did not elevate himself or put himself above anybody else because he knew that, that he needed his, his group, his men, his clan, as they went and did ministry together, and, and he was not a prideful or boastful person. So he, he, he didn't elevate himself above them, and he actually lived with them and, uh, and, and was with them while, you know, in Ephesus. Um, and going on to verse nine, 19... Let me back up. So when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, I was with you the whole time. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. Now, if we go back in Scripture, there was, um, there's three that I found, but there's, I think there's like four or five moments when it's, it says that Paul actually cried or he wept. Um, three of them, they're, they're all around the same basis. Um, three that I've, I picked out um, was one, um, he, he wept for those who did not know Christ, which is out of Romans 9, if you want to go back and read that. Um, two, the struggling immature believers, the believers who um, were, were young in faith, or the, or the believers who confessed to be believers, but they were living in a town, let's say, worshiping a goddess Artemis, and they were influenced by other people around them. Or let's say, believers who live in Brown Summit, and they go uh, down the road to, a, and they put themselves in a situation where, uh, you know, you may be influenced to do things that we're not supposed to do, or even act the way that we're not supposed to do. Um, this is kind of like the, the struggling, immature believers who weren't strong in their faith. Um, number three, the, the, um, the threat of false teachers. Um, this 
is, is a really scary one in today's world. Um, I feel like there's a lot of pastors who are, who are looking to, to give their churches, their congregations, and even their, the, the, their online audiences, because a lot of them are going that way now, um, of, of almost like a false hope. Um, you know, you, you call Jesus Lord and he's going to bless you. He's going to give you everything you ever wanted. Your life's going to be the best it can ever be. Um, God will bless you. And I believe, me and Amber personally, we've never struggled financially as a, as a marriage, I mean, as a, as a husband and wife through our marriage. Um, not to say that things never got tight, or, but we've never hungered or worried about where we were going to live at. There were times where, you know, we may not be able to go on that, that Friday night date night somewhere out. We can stay home and just cook something or something along those lines. But God has always provided for us in this because we give to the Lord. We give to him financially. We give to him with our life, with our time. And, and, and I think that is where um, God's blessings truly dwell in, in, in not having to worry about what we're going to receive, but what we're given to God and knowing that because we're given to God, he's going to bless us, he's going to take care of us as we go into the ministry, which was evident in Paul's life, which he, he, also, he also mentions here in a little bit. Um, the second part of verse 19, it said, And enduring the trials that came to me through the pots of the Jews, you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. It says, you know, you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was prof- profitable. Meaning, he wasn't going to say, teach them anything or tell them anything or lead them or guide them into anything that was profitable for him that was going to boast his life or his, 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 um, his own personal advancement. Um, he said, I, I was I, uh, proclaiming to you anything that was pro- profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. When Paul started his ministry, um, there was no church. Um, it, was, it was him going house to house, and he was building these relationships. Um, he, he preached the gospel, and then, and then when the church was formed, that's when um, he preached you know, more in an outward public setting. Um, God calls all of us. It was um, Derek was talking this morning, you know, um, he had to, he preached your father-in-law or something, oh, Penny's, Penny's dad, the, the funeral. And he said, and I'm no preacher. I said, well, we're all called to preach the gospel. You may not be a pastor or, or, or an elder or whatever. God has called us all to go and teach the gospel. That's what we are as, as disciples, as saints in, in, the, in, the, in the church. Um, this is just a building that, that houses a portion of the church of God. Um, we're fortunate enough to have this building that God has blessed us with where we can come and worship freely, um, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and then we can leave out of here um, and not have to worry about the persecution that other countries and, and, and parts of this world have to, have to deal with. Um, I know I've been in, uh, in other countries before, some of which you have to be careful what you say um, when, it, when it pertains to uh, Jesus Christ. Um, and I know that in some places in this world, um, when you do carry a Bible around with you, you can be put to death. Um, that is something here in America we're blessed with. Um, we have the ability to worship freely, and we have the ability to tell other people about Jesus Christ. But we as believers are so scared to stand up for what we believe in because a lot of times we're scared of what somebody else might think about us. I, for one, was guilty of that um, when I was younger, especially in high school. You know, I, I lived, I lived the, the lifestyle of, hey, I want to dress, you know, the, the, the certain way. I want to fit into a certain crowd. And, if, and if, I, if, if I speak my mind or if I um, let people know that, that I'm a Christian and, and, and I still use these words in some of my sentences sometimes, are they really going to see Jesus in the way that I live my life? And even as we get older, as, as believers, we, we live kind of on the fence of where we're at because we're so scared of, of fully crossing over and saying, well, I'm just going to let go of those things that I enjoy doing sometimes um, so that I can fully commit to Christ. But at the same time, if, if I do step over, then, then I can't enjoy those things. So let me just, you know, 
I'll do these things in the privacy of my home, and then, and then when I go to church, you know, people believe that, oh, yeah, he's good. He, he, he's, he's, he's a good follower. He don't do anything bad. It's like we come to church and we put a mask on. But some of those masks, they're even, they're even in our homes, in our households. Husbands and wives don't know what's going on in the other one's lives because we're scared to communicate with one another. Um, our kids are scared to communicate with their parents when they have a bad day or, or something's going on at school because they, they're, they're fearful that the parents will um, tell them that they're wrong or, or because they had a bad thought or something like that. Um, the parents think that, oh no, they think the worst of just because somebody invited you or offered you a um, to, to smoke this or to try this, oh, my kid's going to hell because they were, there, they were in that situation. We have to have an open communication. And that's where Timothy was with these, this group of men that he was traveling with and this group of men that he was with in Ephesus, these elders and leaders. He's speaking truth to them. He was there because he loved them. He truly cared about their ministry and their work that they were doing. Um, in verse 21, it said, it testified to both the Jews and the Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this verse is important because in the, in the same way that, that we're kind of on the fence about our, 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 our mission, the message never changes. I've been around pastors who, who will go, um, who will be in a situation of where they're around unbelievers and then they go to a situation where they're around believers and the, and the message is, is one way here and then another way here. But the message that, that Paul preached and that Paul wanted the, these leaders and elders to know was that there's one message regardless of who you're speaking to and it's that Jesus Christ loves you and you have to repent of your sins. That was the gospel. But a lot of times we want to water it down or we want to butter it up and milk it up, put a little ice on it and make it look sweet and sugary, um, which is where we have to watch out for these false teachers um, in life. But the message was, regardless of the listener, preach the gospel. Jesus loves you. Verse 22, it says, And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. Except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. This, this kind of goes back to the, to the, the persecution area. Um, his ministry um, was, was really a scary ministry because it was, it was like everywhere he went, people were trying to kill him. Um, or pe people wanted to kill him. They wanted to put him in prison because they were fearful. It started whenever, um, when, when he was there with the people who were worshiping Artemis, and he wanted to go in there and say, hey, this is, this is stupid, pretty much. This is a, a man-made object, a man-made God, and y'all are, are putting all your eggs in this basket when Jesus came and died so that you may have life and you don't want to trust in him yourself. He goes in, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He says, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I'll encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. There's situations that I've been in in life where I know if, if, if I continue going down a certain road, then it could lead to disaster, right? When I was in college, um, I was hanging out with a group of guys um, that was probably not the best influence on me. Um, they, you know, they, they all claim the church, but when we were together, we did not li live the lifestyle uh, of a believer. Um, this was um, my first, first year of college and half of my second year. And I, I, I was kind of on a, on a road that, that I knew if I kept going down, it was going to get me into trouble. Um, I made a lot of really dumb decisions in, in life, um, especially in my childhood with brothers I, I lived I had um, two younger brothers. Um, we were actually all together this week because of the funeral. They were in town. Um, when, and when we're, we're together, it's, it turns into a bunch of chaos. Um, if you have any siblings um, or um, closeness to somebody as, as far as a best friend growing up, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, I've shared stories with you guys before. I've shared stories with the youth before. Um, I'm fortunate to be alive because of the, some of the stuff that we did. Um, there was times where gasoline and fire were involved. There were times where when we were digging tunnels under, under dirt, not knowing that, hey, all somebody's got to do is step on this and collapse and bury us in. I mean, and thinking about that now, I'm like, God, we were stupid. 
We used to put rocks and snowballs and throw them at cars. I'm like, I didn't know it was going to break a window. I mean, it's, it's, you just don't process these things. But Timothy is, is, knows what is ahead as he goes and preaches the gospel, and that he knows the Spirit is telling him, there's a good chance that where you go next, that you're going to be in prison. There's a good chance where you go next that they're going to kill you. But as he's teaching these leaders, he's, he's, he's telling his commitment to, God, to the gospel and to Jesus Christ's mission to go and be who God called him to be. He knew the danger that was ahead. And I think that's where we as believers are fearful because we, we know that there could be danger down the road. We don't know what the danger consists of, but we don't want to go down that road or fully commit because we're going to have to suffer. And who wants to suffer? I ain't going to lie. Before my grandfather died a couple, um, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity of going into a hospital. Um, it was a ICU unit, um, a COVID unit. And my mom called me and said, hey, meet us at the hospital. Um, we're going to see Papa." And I, I was like, my first thought was, okay, I'll, I'll be there. And then I called her back. I said, so are we actually going in his room, like, where he has COVID? Kind of, like, willingly put myself beside him. And she was like, Dale, he's dying. Just come on. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, let's do this. And the whole way there, I'm, I'm doing hand sanitizer on my hands, like, that's going to protect my my life right now it's just alcohol without the alcohol in it because they all stink from distilleries or anything if y'all notice that all hand sanitizer stinks now I'm sorry I just went off there um so I went in there you know they put you in the whole get up you know you walk in there and kind of just kind of feeling not really but it's it's you feel secure um I still was terrified when you walk into a situation like that, you're walking into an unseen. All these people who, who, who work in, in, in the uh, medical field, and we have, we have several people here that work at the hospitals or in doctor's offices and stuff. You never know who you're going to come in contact with, um, but there's, there's, that's the, the mission. And Paul's point here is don't live in fear. Because if we live worried about tomorrow then we're going to worry every day because nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Um, verse 24 says, But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Uh, we often feel like failure unless we are getting um, a lot out of it because failure is, is something that nobody wants to to. to embrace in life if if life is a failure um like standing back and looking at it then it's a, it's really a bunch of what ifs for paul he's saying i'm gaining nothing out of my life my life is a failure if i get something out of it he he lived his life Walking down the road, he wasn't looking to get rich. He wasn't looking to, to profit from anything, which we read earlier. He was looking to, to solely and purposefully go and preach the gospel of Jesus. Which for me, I still want things in life, right? I still want, I still want to, to enjoy the good stuff. Uh, you know, I want to have nice things. And, uh, you know, I've been driving a car since 2010, it's got 200, it's, it's older than that, it's 2006, but it's got almost 300,000 miles on it. My mom even drove it the last week to, to drive some, some people from family around while they're in town, and, and she made a comment to somebody, yeah, Dale's car's about to break down. It ain't about to break down. It just don't ride like your new one, you know? It's got, she's got age on her. She, she's still, she's still kicking strong. I love her. Um, <laughs> I talked to her like she's, um precious thing but she is I can't can't I can't let her go um um what verse are we on now <laughs> verse 25 I now know that none of you among whom I went 
went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you on this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. So pretty much, you, you remember um, Pontius Pilate before, you know, he, he let the people decide what Jesus' fate was. He washed his hands. He said, that's on y'all. Paul says the same thing here. He said, therefore, I declare to you on this day, I am innocent of the blood of all of you because I have done my job. I preached the gospel of Jesus. So now it's you decide whether or not you want to reject or accept Jesus Christ. Um, as leaders, and in verse 27, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Paul was telling them that uh, um, he, had done, he had done his job. He, he had done everything that God had told him to and instructed him. So it's now your job as leaders to go and, and preach the gospel and tell the world about Jesus. Verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock. I am a protector. Um, I like to protect my family. We were actually uh, riding to the beach um, um, a few months ago, and I was riding on the road, and, and there was um, um, a couple people in the car with me, um, but it was, we had Logan Clendon and Stephanie, and then somebody else was with me in the truck. We just ran to the store. Anyway, and then somebody slammed on the brakes in front of me, and my first instinct is always like this right here. And then Logan beside him is like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm saving your life. What do you think I'm doing? It's just a natural instinct. I do it to Amber all the time and whoever's with me. And even I had, uh, my dad was in the car. He was like, oh, I'm the same way. It don't bother me none. And she's like, whoa, what happened? I'm like, seriously, I just saved your life. You could have gone through the windshield when I slammed on the brace just now. But I'm a protector. I, I, I feel like when somebody's around me, I, I want to do my best to make them feel safe and comfortable. Right? Um, Paul, in, 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 this, in this scripture here, he, he is being protective of himself in, in the way that he wants to make sure that he does not allow darkness, evil, you know, people to come in and destroy his ministry in the way that he personally stands strong and on guard to the, to, the, to the mission that God has called him. But also, it says, and for the flock. So, so he, is, he now has the responsibility of the church, right? So anybody that he goes and preaches to, he, he, he's, he's saying, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. When, so when Paul's teaching them, he says, you know what, you've got to be, you've got to be careful, because the devil's going to try to come in. He's going to come, try to come in and kill and destroy. There's been situations in this church um, where the devil has come in. We've lost two people in ministry to unfortunate situations where mind and eyes, the desires of these two overcome the desire of God in our life. We have to be on guard. Because when, especially when something's going good, that's when the devil comes in and tries to attack more. I feel like when, when Amber and myself, and I keep pointing this way because she's right here, um, when, when, when life feels good, that's when I feel like the devil wants to come in and try to get between us to make us argue. God, Paul's telling them, be on guard. Watch yourselves, but also, just like a shepherd is with his flock, you got to watch out because the wolves are trying to get in to come to kill and destroy. And those wolves aren't just Satan. Satan's using all his little pawns that are out here in the world trying to come in and, and create relationships with us, get into us, and then deceive us because he uses other people that, that we may connect with in life to, to, to envy something, to lust after something, which leads to to cheating, destroying, seeing families fall apart. And Paul's like, you have got to be on guard. Um, First Timothy, Paul gives the same, uh, same instruction. He says, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In the same way, it's, it's, you've got to, to pay close attention so that your life um, 
doesn't get set off track and the people who hear the word that you go and preach. Um, to, re- to reiterate um, the purchase of lives with the blood of Christ, um, you kind of put into perspective the value of the church and the responsibility of the leaders, which is what he's saying, which he purchased with his own blood. Um, it, it's the value that the church holds in this world is, is, is so great that we take for granted so many times, which is why it breaks pastors' hearts, especially coming out of COVID. You know, people have gotten so comfortable sitting on their couch watching a live stream. And no offense to you watching live stream at home, whichever camera you're on right now. Um, it's important to be here together. It's important for us to laugh together. It's important for us to cry together, as Paul did with, with his hearers right here, these elders and leaders. It's important for us to, to hold each other, each other accountable. If, if there's somebody that's not here today and you haven't seen them in a while, call them, text them, and say, well, I don't want to make them feel bad. I do. I do. Make them feel bad. And it's not because we want to get them in here to, to fill up an offering basket or, or to, to even fill up this room. For all I care... We can have 15, 20 people in here. I enjoy the spirit when I'm leading worship and there's a thousand people in here singing and making as much noise as possible, which I was going to go off another tangent there, but I'm going to stop because I can go real far. God desires for us to be together. And then as we come together, we're going to make an army of believers that can go out into this craziness of a world that we live in. And that's where Jesus is going to make the largest impact. Not because we do anything great, but it's because the church is anointed and united as one together. Um, Verse 29, what time is it? Um, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own numbers, and distort the truth. False teachers. To lure the disciples into following them. Therefore be on alert. Remembering that night and day. For three years. I never stopped warning each one of you. With tears. Again. People in Satan. Will come in and try to destroy the church. And a lot of times. There's, there's people that get inside the church. Who want to be here. To mess things up. To separate people. To, to just pull ropes and chains to make them feel like that they're in control but there's there's those are the people that God wants us to to come together and unite around because if we let Satan come in here and destroy this place then we're weak and we're vulnerable and that's where the world is going to start eating away at us piece by piece um Verse 32 says, And now I commit to you, God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold. Paul was, he was satisfied with, with God's, doing God's work and nothing else mattered. He didn't want money. He didn't want um, things in life. He was, he was satisfied with just doing God's work. Uh, verse 34, You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself. Um, and those who are with me. He was a tent maker. Um, verse 35, In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Like I said, Paul, um, he, was, he was a tent maker. He supported himself. His, he, you know, he, he, he lived working by his hands. I, I, I love doing things, working. Um, I had some family in town last year during COVID. We were supposed to do our 10-year our anniversary trip. It didn't happen, happen. So I said, you know what? Let's take this money. And I built, I closed in our, our, our deck. I made a screen in porch. Um, I am a cheapskate. I, I try to go as cheap as possible with anything, but as nice as possible with everything. Um, so if you were to take off the, um, the, the, the exterior of things, you'll be like, wow, that was a patch job. But it looks great if you show up in my house, I promise you. Um, I'm just kidding. It, it, it's to code in case anybody ever asks. Um, I didn't get it inspected, though. Don't tell the county. Um, <laughs> they just want their money. They don't care. I mean, really? 
I'll take that back. We have men here who are very adamant about making sure that we call the code on everything we do. And with the church we do, but yeah, not my house. Um, man, this is fun. 34, you yourselves know that I worked with my own hands and supported myself in every way that I've shown you. Paul worked not in order to become rich. Um, he would be free from being dependent on anyone or anything. That is the blessing of Paul's life, what was so awesome about it. I, f- I feel like um, coming out of uh, me being really infatuated with this show called Naked and Afraid right now, um, we actually started at the beach with a, a couple um, we went um, went with down there, and, and we just got stuck into this season. I mean, there's an XL season where it's, it's 40 days instead of just like the, the, the 15 or 20 days, and they separate it. And it's like, wow, these, these guys are like surviving in nature, and they have to kill these things or eat snails and stuff like this, and you have to do whatever it is to survive. And I feel like this was Paul's life. It's like, I'm going to this city. I have nothing but the clothes on my back right now, and I don't have to worry about my food. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to sleep at. I'm going to survive regardless. And this was Paul's mentality. He said, he said, you know, I'm not trying to go and get rich. I'm not going to go here and take up an offering to fill up my pockets. I'm going to go in this city. I'm going to preach the gospel. If they want to give, then I'm going to take this, and I'm going to give to the people of Jerusalem as we celebrate Pentecost because they are deserving of, of God's blessings, not me. So, um, he's after after he 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 um. Where are we at? Thirty five. It is more blessed to give than receive. Now this was never. It was it wasn't in any of the gospels that Jesus said this. Which there's there's as these these men followed Jesus around. You know they could have left some things out of the out of the gospels. But it is mentioned twice in Scripture that it is said that Jesus said is better to bless than to receive. I've heard that a lot at Christmas time. When I was a kid, I was like that is bullcrap. It's better to receive because I get to take things. But as I've getting older, I love watching my girls open stuff. I could I could wrap a back at a box of crayons and they're gonna be wow a present and they open it up and they're like. New crayons, yes, it's it's a blessing. And then they get older, they you know teenage years, and they open up crayons. They're like, this is not what I wanted, you know. I'm the same way. If you give me a box of crayons now, where's my adult coloring book at, huh? I did try that at one point. I'm still too scatterbrained to sit there and try to color in those little fine lines. Um, lastly, closing out in in, in chapter twenty, it's in verse. 36, it says, after he said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. So this was kind of an intimate time with them, you know, coming together, laying hands on each other. And he says, there were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that he would never see them, see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Is getting ready to say goodbye. So as we close, I want us to think how, how we can take these instructions for the leaders of Ephesus, and use them for our lives and ministry. It takes faith. Paul's life was a life of faith. He went and not worried about what the next step may, may have held for him in his life. He went trusting in the Lord, and it was step by step in faith. Um, so I'm going to ask you this question, and I'm going to give you four answers, and then we're going to close. What does it mean that faith is better than life? One, it means being bound by the Holy Spirit to the will of God. This was verse 22, um, which in, in uh, CSB, which is what we're reading out of in 22, um, it says, And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit. In the King James Version, it says, bound by the Spirit. In the Living Bible, which I love, it says, drawn irresistibly by the Spirit. Meaning, the Spirit is leading me in this, and I just can't resist it. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to follow the Spirit into this, into this wherever He leads me. Um, uh, number two, it says, it means that you are content to know in detail what tomorrow will bring. Again, out of verse 32, it says, not knowing what shall wait for me there. Paul said, you know what, I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to wait for me there, but I'm going to trust and know that as as I go into this situation that God's going to put me in, I'm going to preach the gospel and and 
that's my plan. That's my purpose. Number three, it's it, um, faith is better than life. It means that you don't forsake Christ when you know that tomorrow means trouble. In verse 23, it says, uh, again, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. As believers, we have to be able to, to, to go boldly. We may not know what tomorrow is going to bring or, 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 or if there's going to be trouble ahead, but we can't be scared of the trouble. I went in that hospital fearful that I was going to come out with COVID. I may get it. I may not. But I got to see my papa for one last time. I got to pray with this man. And then there was a nurse in the room who watched us pray and allowed us to have conversation with this man about Jesus Christ. I went in fearfully. But when I finally shook it off and trusted God, he, he opened doors and gave us opportunity. And that's what we have to do. Faith that God is in control. Number four, what does it mean that faith is better than life? Is willing to set your face not to live for the American dream. What's the American dream? To have it all. Keep up with the Joneses next door. Which I, I really got a Jones next door, actually. He's not here today, is he, Brad? Is he working? He's a fireman. We have desires to want to lust, to want more and more. I ain't gonna lie. I was sitting in carpool line. Me and Amber took Addie to school on Friday morning. She got into the pre-K program at Monticello Brown Summit, and just in the, tri the, the carpool line. I've always been a Jeep guy. I got rid of a Jeep that I got that I had for years um, back in May, and um, there was this new four-door truck Jeep. It's called the Jeep Gladiator. It had the big tires on it, and I was sitting. There, I said, mm, "It's so pretty. I want that." I want that. Did I not? She, she reached over. Before I even said anything, she was, it's okay, baby. One day. <laughs> yeah, when it's like 300,000 miles on it, um, which is why I'm still driving the one I got now, right? Um, we want the best of the best of life, right? It's okay to, 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 to want these things, but it's not okay for that to be our priority in life. If God blesses us with these things, then it's his purpose for us to, to, to have it. it. Paul was encouraged you know, by people to go and, and do what he was going to do. But if I'm with Paul and he's living his life the way he is, I'm encouraging him, dude, man, you've been doing ministry you're going city to city on ships and walking and, and, and just craziness. Retire, man. Go play golf. Just enjoy life. But he told him, he said, I'm giving my life to Christ. It's not about what I want. It's about what Jesus is going to get from my life. As you leave out of here today, my prayer is that you go eat lunch desiring God's will for your life. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that. When we go get in the car, I'm like, hey, let's go get some Mexican. What's God going to do there? Cheese dip and chips, right? God wants us to live in pursuit of his will. And I know me personally, it's so hard because you can get caught up in busyness and craziness of life, especially as you start, uh, me personally, as I'm starting to, you know, kids are getting older, they're going more and more places. Um, sports picks back, up, picks back up this week with soccer. Um, it's just bam, bam, bam. But Paul is saying, don't get caught up in the American dream. May the Spirit of God pull you irresistibly into the direction that he wants you to go. You follow that and let that dream follow you. Set your face not to live for the American dream, but 
if the American dream happens, then consider it a blessing from God. My, my prayer for you guys, if you will bow your heads for a minute, um, I pray that we can leave, leave out of here um, living a life like Paul, surrendering to giving um, our time, our, 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 our money, our families, everything that we have to, to the mission, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our world right now, as, as Tiffany mentioned earlier, is in a place of, of, of hurt. It's in a place of, of just darkness. And, and for me, it breaks my heart to see so many people not trusting God because they desire more for their life and, 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 and the goodies of world possessions than they do the solitude and the promise which is heaven with Jesus Christ when we submit our life to him. Don't be, don't be conformed to the world, I guess we can say, but to re, through the renewing of, of the promise of God in our life and allowing him to lead us and guide us. So let's trust him with our life, giving our life to him, and live a life as Paul, which was fearless, going and preaching of repentance and giving their life to Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us the opportunity, God, to serve you. God, I pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they're, they're wanting to give their life to you, God, wanting to give their, their, their time, God, to, to seeing more people come to know you, God. And I pray right now, God, for all the sons and daughters, the believers, the heirs to the throne, the kingdom of God, God, that we can take a stand, God, to, to be bold, to go and see lives changed because of the love of Jesus Christ. God, we want to surrender to you and give our lives to you in this place. We worship you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.